Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. What archetypal patterns do we all have within us that can help us through this pandemic? I'm Julianne Chaveau, an archetypal consultant, and together with my co-host, Story Through Stone founder and teacher, Sundara Quackenbush, we discuss two of the four core survival archetypes. And well, you might be surprised to find out which those are. And we also welcome our new sponsor midway through the show, and we'll tell you about a special offer just for our listeners. And on to the show. Hello, Sindera. How are you? Hello, dear Julianne. I am riding the waves of this new world. Yeah, it's like that. We have gotten some requests. So I was like, this next episode, where are we going to talk about? You know, we've covered death, we rebirth, the world, all of that. We've gotten some requests uh, from our listeners that we need. they'd like to hear a little bit more specifically about archetypes. And I realized that while every conversation in the podcast we've had has included archetypes, we haven't really talked about the specific archetypes in terms of uh, the work that I do with people and have done with people, the personality archetypes, those like parts of the psyche, patterns in the psyche that we refer to as archetypes and how those are playing out right now with the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic um, is huge and I think really can be useful, you know, actual tools for people to use, to work with, to observe themselves, to get grounded, you know, because we're in the middle of, the world's turned upside down, right? The anxiety um, and there's, you know, there's so much happening that there are uh, four archetypes and really a corollary of four plus four kind of relationships they have with other archetypes that can be super helpful, especially right now. And so I thought it would be good to, in in order to kind of do them justice and really give people, you know, stuff to work with. Um, I'm going to talk about four, but we're really going to go in depth with just two of them. And those are the two that I think are probably the most prevalent um, right now. So this is part one of a two-part series, and these archetypes are frequently called survival archetypes. Hmm. Oh, and just before you go into it, Julianne, uh, our um, some of our newer listeners might be interested to hear that um, <laughs> your knowledge of the archetypes and, and my love of the tarot is originally what brought us together to, for this podcast. Oh, um, yeah. I was... Um, intrigued and, and inspired by the archetypes of the tarot and you were a practicing archetypist uh, archetypal consultant <laughs> and I said hey wouldn't it be fun uh if we sat down and just you know went through the tarot and and discussed the archetypes of the tarot and you were full on and 10 steps ahead of me <laughs> um after that, that idea came into bloom so um here we are uh, more than eight years later, and and we, we couldn't be luckier to have you on this podcast again to discuss uh, the archetypes. And, and as I understand it, there are these four survival archetypes um, that you're going to uh, discuss in the two-part series. So I'm very excited to uh, 
uh, maybe sitting here with you again to hear all about those. Could you just give us a um, nutshell uh, description of what those four, what what are basically are the survival archetypes, and you know just in the nutshell what they are. Sure. And actually, before that, oh, the way I define archetypes in the way of the kind of personality, the archetypes within the psyche that are um, more about the individual person in their relationships versus like life and death and rebirth are archetypes of the world of, of situations, right? These are a little bit more related to our personality, the deeper parts of patterns in our psyche. And so archetypes, the way I define them are universal patterns of talents, motivations, and behaviors. And each of them contain a dialogue of how and indeed sometimes why we use our energy, our creativity, our lives the way we do. Um, they're, they're a really, I think, valuable way to learn kind of like the deeper truth about ourselves and what kind of what possibilities and what kind of potential roadblocks can be contained in each of these archetypal patterns. And I use, I, I was trained with Carolyn Mace originally. Um, she wrote a book called Sacred Contracts, basically about archetypes in relationship to a soul contract. And then further studies, obviously this most of archetypal work goes back to Plato and then Carl Jung and then many other people have worked with these kinds of archetypes. So it's, it's a vast field of study that um, I just want to note that in the last six or eight months, um, you know, there was a little bit of a dip, like people weren't really talking about archetypes for, I'd say, maybe seven years, five, seven years, it was sort of like out of fashion, like the word and the, and the, um, the kind of modality of archetypes seem to kind of go back underground. Certainly archetypes are always alive. Uh, but the talk of them in that kind of specificity was sort of at an ebb and I've seen it move back. I've heard a good number of people talk, talk specifically about our archetypes and more recently about what these survival archetypes are like. And that something that is really archetypes are rich. Like there's this pattern, like this container that contains all of these reactions and behaviors. And then you've got an out and usually an outside effect or something that happens. These archetypes will sort of turn themselves on and react. Right. And so the survival ones, the reason they're called that is they are the four core archetypes we use for survival when we face a threat or when we feel like maybe something's not going right. It's one or all four of these that will be kind of at the four. Those are the first four. They're core to everybody. And um, I've never met anybody who didn't really work with all four of these. Um, at one and time or another. And the four are. I know. Are. Hey, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Come on, the, they've been underground so long. I oh, want them to break up and start talking. We're, li go. we're living all of these every day, especially <laughs> in this time when we're afraid, when the world is changing. So we'll start with our first one, which is the the first archetype ever. We, It's the child. We were all children, no matter what. Nobody was raised in a test tube. Everybody has a child archetype. Within that, there are flavors or types of child. So some people have had a very, their experience in their actual childhood and then into adulthood. 
could have potentially had a specific type, like the Puer Eternus or the Eternal Child, the Peter Pan, right? It's still the child archetype, but it has a really, really kind of specific type to it. I'm not going to go into the individual types today of the child. My website archetypist will get you a bunch of information on that. But what's super important to know using the child is that each archetype has its, it's frequently called the shadow and light. I like using the language of empowered and disempowered, right? So when you're facing a threat, like as a child, to put it in context of what's happening now, the world is changing. People are dying. There's a virus. Like that's, you know, you're scared, right? So what do you do? You look to an adult as most children look to an adult to say, okay, somebody tell me what's going on. Somebody tell me it's going to be okay. That is the child reaction part of all of us. It can be within us as adults. Maybe it's not, you know, like a child throwing a temper tantrum, but trust me, Adults can have temper tantrums too, uh, frequently on social media. So, <laughs> yeah, I wonder who you could be talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> so it's it's important to really understand um, as we recognize, it might be easy for a lot of people to recognize the child as it comes out. Um, I definitely find myself looking more at comfort foods. You know, that will comfort me. That's the child part of me that's like... I don't know what's going on. I just need comfort. And maybe a parent figure had comforted us with food. So it's really important to recognize that it's important to, to see these patterns at play as a pattern. You know, they are both are us. They are a part of us and not us. We are far, far more than just a set of archetypes. But the, uh, the key, I think, is the being able to recognize and have compassion because these, each of these archetypes will probably come up when we're threatened, when there's a survival issue happening. And the child can be, um, you know, in a, in a dangerous way, you can give up your power to other people because you're scared and you expect them to think of you as their number one priority when maybe they just want to have power and want people to follow them, right? So there's a dangerous part of the child where they're giving up their power, but there's also something that's really helpful about the child archetype in us that helps us use our imaginations to help us soothe ourselves by playing, by making mm -hmm. a space to play. And I know that um, you and I had talked about kind of how you can see the child, how that archetype can help us in this crisis. Like what does it look like to be an adult with a happy inner child? How can you foster that? And what does that look like? Yeah, it's amazing to go outside and see um, more adults and their kids outside playing, adults on their own playing. You know, I just come out, when I go on my daily walks, I'm just seeing uh, more and more of that kind of out in the open because people have been confined indoors and um, their usual activities restricted. Uh, and one way to just thoroughly uh, deepen into this time and work through this time, actually, ironically, is through play. And so I'm, you might find, you know, wildflowers picked and put in a pattern on the beach or uh, someone's collaborated on the whole little hand-built memorial down at the end of the beach here uh, for loved ones who have passed. Uh, it's just a, an amazing time for that, that 
healing child to come out and play um, through this period of time. I love that. And it's, it's a really important thing, I think, for everyone, adults who are walking through the world to know that we have this part in us and that, you know, there are potentialities and pathologies to every archetype. And again, that kind of comes back to that shadow and light, empowered, disempowered. And there's something mm-hmm. really beautiful about the child archetype as we, as adults, and I'll get into that kind of as its corollary archetype to the child that um, that's a part of us that can really connect with nature. It can be really curious and have an open mind that can seek wisdom. So like mm-hmm. there's, there's something about the child that just wants an easy answer, just wants to click onto a news or a, an article or a, a YouTube video that will just give us all the answers. Like, just tell me I'm anxious. Someone needs to tell me what's going on. That's the, mm-hmm. that's a kind of disempowered child. But at the same time, the empowered child can be curious and can be open and they find the trustworthy adults to help them get an understanding. And I see that really kind of playing out a lot where people are in panic, right? They're like fight or flight. They're like, they'll believe anything that anybody tells them that makes them feel better. And that's unfortunate because it can be dangerous. You know, there's, you can also see part of the child going, I'm not going to wear a mask. You can't tell me what to do. That's the child archetype. Meanwhile, the, the growing body of evidence is that it's, you should wear a mask to protect yourself and protect other people. So the child archetype is what we've got going on. That's got its kind of difficulties as well as its empowerment. So the, the child can be curious. The corollary um, that I work with is the sovereign the king or queen. So they're, they're separate archetypes, but they are related as it's as if one is kind of an outcropping of the other. So, you know, as a child grows up, they become more and more responsible and sovereign is, you know, having responsibility or able to not only take care of yourself, grow in wisdom and, and be responsible and your, your sphere of care and concern and responsibility, um, grows. So the sovereign is that king or queen, the adult part of us, the adult in the room that can say, this is very, this is a big deal. We, we are in the middle of a crisis, you know, the wisdom to, to seek out truth in places that are, um, reputable where there isn't a, you know, where they're not seeking to make people panic, but they're seeking to have wisdom and actual scientific information. So there's that part of us that can go, oh, I really want to believe that post that someone just put on Facebook that just tells me the simple answer is this. But there's a part of me going, is that really true? I'm the adult. You know, what, how reputable is this source? So much can kind of come from that. And the adult says, okay, physical distancing and the scientists, doctors are telling us this is a good idea. Wearing a mask, it's a really good idea. The adult says I'm responsible for myself and I'm responsible. I don't want to get anyone sick and it might be uncomfortable, but I can wear a mask when I'm around other people. So we see those as kind of two examples of how it's playing out. Um, and the child can help, help us stay curious without seeking an absolute. You know, I think everyone wants an absolute answer. The reality is it's complex. And it's messy and we have to get through this. 
Um, yeah, I think having the right sovereign archetypes in place allows for the child to to explore and play more safely. Um, so, you know, where is a um, a special place in nature that you can find where it's not going to be overcrowded? You can take your mask off. You can deepen into that space. Um, that that is a safe place for the child to open up and explore. And if that sovereign is over overseeing things for you uh, in a responsible way, then you can really uh, deepen in both places. Yeah, exactly. And I am in the show notes. I'm going to expand on each of these and kind of look at what some of the empowered attributes are, what's what the, the disempowered or where you're handing your power away. And then throw in what I call attendant archetypes. Um, other patterns that might be within us that we can work with that can be helpful that are related to it. The four core survival archetypes to me, they are like the, the four family of which every archetype, there's a DNA, you know, which each one came from. So the child then spurs the sovereign and it goes that way because it's, it does the child archetypes. The first one, first one, when we're born, we have to go through childhood in one, one, you know, form or another. Some people have a shortened childhood. Some people have really long childhoods, you know, so <laughs> I will, I will make some, um, a little bit more notes so people can use it. And it's, I think really important to work with these patterns, to pay attention to them, to have compassion. If you find yourself resistant to any of these patterns, have some compassion. I think that is a key. And that's something that I picked up many years after I graduated um, from the program in archetypal consulting that if you run across shadow material and you resist it and you're like, oh, no, that's not me. Uh-uh, no, no. That's usually a sign that that's something, there's something true that we're not ready to work with, but compassion with the feelings related to that and the possibility that that might be what we're doing can be that piece that opens it up. And towards the end of the show, I'll talk a little bit about sort of a, um, an acronym that you can use with each of these archetypes to, to really, really work with them. Because I think right now we all really, really need a way to navigate and to interact positively with what's happening in order to kind of get to what we've been talking about in the last couple podcasts, which is what do we want the world to look like? You know, what are the things, what are the opportunities that will only exist now that will help us guide us towards something better so uh, maybe a good halfway point uh, we're at a a good halfway yeah and so before we go on and get to the next archetype we're going to take a little break and hear something about our new sponsor hey Sandera. so i gotta find out how did it go we have a new sponsor keen and I heard that you recently got our reading. That's right. I hear you uh, rubbing your hands together. And I'm rubbing my hands together. You can hear that? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, I did have my first ever reading from Keen. And I selected the tarot card reader Ruby Moon, uh, who specializes in fast, accurate, and brilliant predictions. Um, and so, you know, for so long, we've done uh, an archetypal tarot podcast, really focusing on metaphors and archetypes and uh, the non-woo-woo. So this was a big leap for me 
to try out a psychic website. So I, I was, I had butterflies in my stomach. I was really excited. Um, I think there's something really special about um, calling a number and you don't know what's going to happen. You're going to ask a, a very deep and personal question. And, um, and so I was able to speak with Ruby Moon and she was a very, very sweet and kind person. Um, she was right on top of the question that I asked she, um, I asked my question, which was basically, uh, what is awakening for me during this period of time and what might be blocking me? And she was Good question. Saying, okay, the answer is coming. You know, she's pulling the cards and she pulled for me the wheel of fortune. Mm. Um, and, and that really matched kind of definitely the ups and downs and, and sense of destiny that I've been encountering with, uh, my long-term projects. Um, she's very, very positive. She says, I'm going to come out of this virus like a rose, she said, <laughs> which is, you know, I hope is true. <laughs> like a rose? Like she a said, I'm going to come out of this virus period like a rose. And, oh, um, rose. and you know, roses are quite special. They're my, the, my, as a Gemini, that's my month. That's my flower. Uh, that resonated with me and it made me, um, I'm hoping it's true, but at the very least, it makes me feel, you know, comforted on a deep level that I'll be okay during this period of time. Um, she said that September and October will be great months for me. So that's a bit down the way. We will, we will see, we will see what happens. Um, but she was just, you know, kept pulling cards and, um, had very positive things to say that I'll be making more money, maybe going on a healing trip. Someone will enter my life to help me. Um, and we started talking a little more about my work with stones and she actually offered some very, uh, a very uh, practical approach with stones or practical in, in the world of intuitives, I suppose, <laughs> which is a way to test if a stone is helpful to you or not by placing it on your forward, your forehead. And when you do so, maybe you might lean forward or you might lean back. And if you lean forward, it's a stone that is good for you. Um, so that was something, uh, kind of like actual that I could maybe try with my own work with stones, which, um, I'm excited to do that. Uh, and so she also pulled, uh, the chariot for me in, um, this movement into fall. Cause I was asking her, you know, I also work at a school and mm-hmm. all the changes that are happening, um, and adaptations we'll have to make with the coronavirus and, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. So I was, I was asking her for more specificity and like, you know, you're saying September and October are going to be great months, but uh, I work at a school and the fall is like, it could be pretty intense. Um, she did acknowledge that there, there is big change and challenges, um, but that the chariot is going to help me persevere, persevere through that, the fall. And she just Wow, lots of major arcana cards. It, yeah, I uh, really did. Uh, she did pull those for me, which is um, always, you know, notable when you're you're getting the major arcana cards. Uh, she also noted that there's just a ton of generosity around me. And I, I resonated with that because um, I, I work for um, an amazing school with incredible um, uh, administrators and staff and teachers and children and families that have really come together very closely through this pandemic. And 
Um, so I do, I really feel, do feel lucky and, and supported in this community that I'm a part of. Um, so she, she was able to see into that. And, you know, we just talked a little bit more about our, our um, astrological signs and, um, and, you know, the, the reading went by so fast. Uh, I spent about 10 minutes with her and it just went really, really quick. But I, seeing into your life in that sort of way, it's, there's, a, there's a sense of vulnerability and beauty that comes forward from that experience. So I can imagine a lot of people um, who, you know, are in a state of quite a bit of unknown um, could benefit quite a bit from this level of positivity and comfort from um, a reading such as this. So I would have to circle back and let you know if her uh, actual predictions are true. Um, I'm not a big person on predictions, but... Um... Yeah, we got a lot, of, <laughs> there's a lot of changes. There's, there's a lot of corners that we can turn down and stuff like that. But that's, it sounds like you had a, an overall pretty positive experience. That's right. And, you know, I think if what you're looking for is, is comfort and information uh, in the present, uh, at the very least, that um, that there there can be a lot provided in these. Cool. Thanks so much, Sandra. Mm-hmm. And before we get back to the rest of the show, y'all need to know that you can get your first five minute reading for only five dollars, but you only get it by visiting trykeen.com/archetypal. Check it out. So the next survival slash core archetype is the victim. I think everybody can identify. We're all a victim of what's happening. Literally, we all are being impacted. The threat, the things that are happening to us and everyone's got, you know, from economic to losing a loved one, to becoming sick, to being afraid of being sick, to literally everything around us is the victim archetype writ large. And um, we can't help but through this life be wounded. And wounds in relationship with the victim are are huge. The differences are the the understanding of the victim that we are being hurt and we have been hurt. How do we work with that? How do we again it can is a bridge the bridge here is compassion to have an understanding that this is difficult and a huge part of the victim to me is accepting what's going on which can feel like weakness but acceptance to the vulnerability that we're in is actually laying the foundation for being grounded and being actually to be able to make real decisions that aren't simply based on fear they're based on wisdom and based on discernment and that it's a difficult one, but we're all doing it right. We all want to blame someone or something for what's happening. Maybe it's in a small way or it's in a big way. I think you see politically blame Rama, and sometimes it's true. Some, <laughs> you know, things could have been done better, but if you if you stay in the disempowered part, the pathological, that's all you're ever going to get. You will there will be an embitterment and everybody else is at fault. We'll never be able to really kind of stand on our own ground and understand a heal, right? So the, the victim's path can be staying wounded or it can be understanding acceptance and seeking of healing. And 
with that process, we bring in what I call the corollary for the victim is the warrior, right? Mm -hmm. So the warrior is a separate archetype. And again, it's like the sovereign, they're separate, but they are, they are intimately related to each other in and of themselves. And if you think of what's, what possibly could be good about the victim? Many people have asked me that. Well, there's the victorious part of us that is healed, that it becomes stronger through that. Whatever the initiating wound was, the, the victim feeling, they worked through it. They learned, they encompassed what happened. And on the outside of that, they're, they're the victorious. You know, they are that part that is, I have grown stronger. And with that, they can, on the, the empowered side of that is the victorious can realize that the suffering that they went through themselves connects them to absolutely every other person in this world. And that's incredibly powerful. And you can't get to that connection through vulnerability without the vulnerability and the wound itself. So it's huge. It's incredibly powerful. Um, I also bring in the archetype, the separate archetype of the warrior, um, intimately related because the warrior is not simply about fighting, but about understanding, recognizing, and setting boundaries. Like I was hurt before. Here's my boundary. Not going to do that again. <laughs> this is this is the 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 wisdom of the warrior is the setting the boundaries, knowing when to fight and knowing when to just go, no, here's the boundary. This is not going to happen again to be both have the defense and when needed um, to go on the offense, to move forward through something to go, uh-uh, this isn't happening again. The warrior also has a truth seeking part of it and needs to find the truth. And that will relate to the next two big archetypes that we're going to talk about in the next podcast. But having that understanding of where you are with a victim, do you just feel like your power is gone? You have no choices. You're absolutely powerless. That is kind of the deepest part of the disempowered victim. And again, the recognition of, oh, what's going on here? Being a little bit curious, having some compassion for what's going on within you to process it through and then navigate to the what is next? Because you're staying the victim. Frequently, we see pe you know the people who just complain all the time. Everything yeah. happened to them. It's everybody else's fault. That's victim 101. And they're not happy, you know, and they don't spread joy. And some people who are so stuck in their victim can no one can really help them because they've concretized and they've solidified into that identity. Um, and they, I will guarantee you, somebody is stuck in their victim just they're not processing their emotions and they're not having compassion. You know, they, they can frequently become vampires because they've been so hurt that they will just take in everything they can from every, all the attention and all of, you know, whatever they can get, um, that kind of black hole of need in that. And that's the, the something that they are missing for themselves is self-compassion and recognition of what's, you know, even accepting what's going on. So huge for um, all of us right now. Yeah. And, and on a collective level, the victim warrior is, is showing up, you know, in all the places in our society where there has has been inequity uh, have, has been 
ultra highlighted through this crisis, right? And um, and and probably people who before would have never had felt that they would be going to unemployment and <laughs> needing to file are finding themselves in that role. And and it you know seeing this archetype come up uh, must be a, a big struggle. And the, also speaking of the victim and the the warrior energy that comes up in response to that, um, Ahmad Arbery's death yes. um, and murder is, is, is really brought that into the, the highlight of the media right now. And so it's, it's bringing up those voices um, at this time. Absolutely. And I think what you're, you're mentioning is the, the word victim itself is it's a trigger word for a lot of people. And I, I'm, I'm coming from the archetypal, right? So we're all right. victims. Communities are victims, right? That doesn't mean that they are 100% empowered. I, what I bring to the understanding of the archetypal pattern is that nuanced, it's a container of both pathology and possibility. So my, when I talk about the victim archetype, it's, it's not to denigrate. It, it is to show, here's the possibility, right? The, the pathology is the, the word itself means basically the path of sorrow and then possibility, what can come through that. Again, I look at the victim and the victorious as both being aspects, aspects of the same pattern. And the victorious is that understanding through the pain that a community and the person goes through that they recognize, oh my gosh, this is happening to other human beings, the compassion, the action that should come from that compassion to say never again, this is terrible. Uh, what actions and what connectivities in community can we engage in that will help prevent this from happening again from the awareness being there. And so it's, it is a really nuanced conversation. Um, and the, the archetype itself is so powerful, but people do tend to think of it simply as, you know, a victim has absolutely no power. And, you know, what I'm talking about is that's, that's not true. <laughs> we can all be victims. There's opportunities within, within each of them and to recognize, oh my gosh, heartbreaking to see one last loss of life after another, after another in the black community and in people of color, you know, it's, it is, again, it's heartbreaking, right? So the compassion comes in there for the, the self who feels it. And then the compassion for the people going through it, you know, migrant children just being popped on planes and sent back to whatever country, uh, you know, go, go, ugh. there's, there's so much. So a nuanced understanding of the victim, I think can be really, really helpful. And that's the, mm -hmm. what I want to kind of go into next, because you brought that up. Um, I've looked at it mainly in terms of how we work with ourselves, or maybe we work in relationship with another person, but it can be something that can be expanded to societal levels. Um, the personal work we have control of, but once we do our work, we're better able to do the work for um, communities and how, and all the people that we're connected to. So when I was working one-on-one -on -one with people um, in a uh, consultant's counselor role, frequently these archetypes could be, they presented difficulty. You know, the first 
the first blush of them is frequently got a lot of shadow material. And so I kind of, I took what Tara Brock, who's a meditation teacher, author, amazing woman. She has um, an acronym R-A-I-N, RAIN. That she was she would use with people and she's working with them. She's also a psychotherapist, a therapist. So I took that archetype R A I N and kind of borrowed from it and repurposed a little bit of it to work with each of these archetypes. So you spot that part of the child that feels like, you know, you need comfort, you're threatened, or the child or the victim, it's like, oh. I lost my job or whatever intervening mm. thing is happening with you. This, and I'll put it in the show notes. So rain, what does it stand for? One is recognition. So we're bringing awareness, having some curiosity to recognize, Oh, I see this pattern coming up in me. It's simply that it's not doing a lot with it, but having the openness to recognize, Hmm, could this be, I feel like a victim with this. I lost my job. I don't feel good about it or whatever. So R is for rec- recognize. The A stands for acceptance. I, I add on to that compassion. So you accept like, fuck, this is what's happening. And I know we've talked about this in brief. Just you got to go, okay, this is where we are. You know, if you are in denial about it, you won't be able to move because you're not on the ground anymore. You are in panic mode trying to get you out of it. So recognition, acceptance, and accepting it with compassion, I find to be the most powerful. Difficult. I'm just going to say it's difficult. Even to this day, when I've had a self-compassion practice for seven, eight years, I still don't want to do it because that means I have to feel. When I have that compassion, I am allowing, I'm accepting what's going on, and I have to feel it. Ugh. Not fun. But once you're through it, it is opening the doors wide, wide, because our psyche wants to push down all of the scary stuff and uncomfortable things, grief, loss. I mean, grief and loss are kicking our asses right now, but if we're not able to feel it, it's going to well up and sit somewhere and be really, really uncomfortable. So that A in rain is for acceptance and I add it acceptance with compassion. So addition that's nice yeah it kind of has to go with that I don't think we can accept things sometimes if we don't have compassion with it some things are really really hard to accept and this is a practice again the r-a-i-n give it a shot it's it, it will be easy for some things and difficult for others but I think really really helpful to work with these patterns you don't just want to spot a pattern and go oh that's what that is okay that's nice but in order to work with them and see, you know, they're purposeful is to, to actually work with them. So the next is R. So we've got R for recognize, A for accept with compassion, investigate, look into, be curious. We're going to go back to the curiosity and investigate. What can we do? What is possible for us to work with given that this pattern, what is the possibility it's bringing to us? Um, maybe it's just a possibility. Maybe we just needed to accept you don't need the eye for investigating, but it's there. Um, with the next N is navigate. Maybe you don't need to navigate. Like maybe it will help you make another decision to maybe open that resume file up. You know, if you've been laid off, maybe it's leading you to do that. 
Or if it's just something that was really, really difficult, maybe you just detach from it. So N also stands for non-attachment. If you just go, oh, that came up, that was really difficult, and you just have to let it go. You just, you felt it, you've accepted it, you've let it maybe guide you if if there was guidance through it. And again, certain it's going to be situational. Sometimes that archetype is t- really urging you to go do something, or it's just urging you to feel it and let it go. So R-A-I-N, recognize, accept with compassion, investigate, and navigate. And I add the non-attachment or non-attach to the end. So there's like two ends. Just maybe your navigation leads you to go, got to let that one go. Got to rest. Got to do whatever it is, the guidance that came out through those others. So two, two huge archetypes that I think can can be helpful guides for us to interact more positively within ourselves and see what's happening in the community, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I would like to just highlight that uh, we've entered into the time of Gemini. So your talk about curiosity today has kind of sparked uh, me as a Gemini sort of word to be one of the components that helps us through this period. And I kind of see the Gemini as those twin uh, children, child Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we've been exploring through these archetypes. And, And for me, the three that are really come up uh, through Mesa's work anyway, is the wounded child, the magical child, and the child of nature. Uh, we, we discussed a little bit about uh, the child being able to play, but um, the magical child is able to see the potential for sacred beauty in all things. And I, and, you know, we, we've all seen the value of play. We all see the, the value of these things of embracing the empowered child, but you need time to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and permission, you know, right? And, you have to and, give yourself permission to play as an adult. Right. It seems. I think we've known these things intellectually for some time. It's always in the back of our head, but I think now is a period where it's actually being um, explored and embodied. And we had mentioned in a previous podcast about, um, the woundedness during this period of time, we had mentioned the Michael Mead quote that uh, next to our, our wounds are our deepest gifts and the, the wounded child can bring us there. And when we're uh, not presented with the same structures and obstacles we may have had in our daily lives before, uh, we are brought back to kind of some of our childhood wounds and, you know, working through some things that may have been under the surface for a very, very long time. Yeah, and wrap that up is is the child in nature, which, you know, people getting out and um, really being in nature is just open up. I I feel myself, I just can feel actually the rhythms of the moon so much more waxing or waning, new or full. Um, I've never planted anything in my life, but um, I planted some little wildflower seeds that I found and some a sunflower seed from a friend that has miraculously sprouted up under my not so green thumb. Um, and it's just an amazing connection to the, the larger world uh, and the natural world than I've ever had before. And I think a lot of people are, are experiencing that as well. And these are incredible empowered medicines of these archetypes. 
archetypes that uh, I would love to hear how our listeners are engaging with. Absolutely. And the, um, you know, I, I, for me, I feel like we've just barely touched the top part of the surface of these archetypes. They're incredibly rich, um, but really, really important. And I know, you know, that the child, especially there's the adult part of us can be really frustrated with Mm. trying to lead, you know, lead the grown up life, mortgages, children of your own, all the things you need to do. And then the responsibility that you might feel for your community, a heartbreak for the community, the, that it can feel anathema or silly to talk about the child archetype. But when we're talking about having enough psychic space to take all of those things that was grown up, you know, the sovereign world on the child can be an inroad to create that space through play. And you have to give permission or you're, if you've got a good friend who, you know, I have some friends and you're one of them that do this, who just, just kind of naturally give me permission to play. Cause like mm. there, maybe I just see them as an adult or whatever. You have permission to play. And I, it's something that's happened in this last week. I have two groups of friends who we do a zoom meeting since all this started, we do a zoom party or whatever once a week. And this just happened to be one on Tuesday and there were only three of us on it, but I just was like, we need to dance. Okay. People we need, I just, I was like, guys, I'm turning on my, I got my Spotify up. I DJed a whole dance set and was just like, guys, I need to dance right now. If you guys want to dance with me, it was so much fun. It was a blast of everybody dancing. I was in my room. They were each in their kitchen and, you know, other people in their homes were coming up and going, what's going on? And then it turned into a mini dance party. So that is the <laughs> joy of the child. I didn't intend it. Yeah. I didn't sit there and think, here's what we're going to do. It was more like, ah, fuck, I need to do this. Like, I'm just doing this now. I just have to, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't even drinking. I had like Man- I was drinking mango passion fruit juice. Maybe it was the sugar, right? The sugar in the job. But that I didn't realize after that, the effects of that are still with me. And I am taking on, I have a huge amount of stuff happening in my life that is just rope of yeah. dope of grief. I have friends who are sick. I have, you know, just my, yeah, uh, fuck. it was horrible. But that one thing, so I just want to share that with our audience that like, you might mm. just look for those opportunities. And if your intuition goes, yeah, I want a dance party or input, whatever it is, the fun thing, fucking do it. Because that is creating the space for the other parts of us to live and coexist. And those decisions that you need to make almost miraculously become easier to deal with because the space is opened up. You know what I mean? So child super important victims important and to bury the headline there's two more that we'll talk about in the next and that is the saboteur with its its uh corollary the magician and the prostitute and its corollary the lover so we will talk about that in part two i can't wait i know those are fun ones too but i thought the first is first these are the ones easiest to see exactly Well, Well, I hope everyone can play and dance like no one is watching, uh, enjoy their summers in, in safe and magical ways. And I really have enjoyed, 
reconvening on this podcast with you, Julianne. Yeah, likewise. It's like the good old days. (laughs) So I hope this finds everyone doing well as can be, staying safe. And if you haven't yet, consider a little bit of self-compassion. You can just Google self-compassion and there's a lot of great exercises. It's going to necessitate you feeling the feels. It's called for right now because I think it's going to create, help create the larger space to work with everything that's being thrown at us right now. And so, yeah, that's my recommendation. I love everybody and I send so much aloha. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. We know that you could have done something else with the last, oh, I don't know, 45-ish minutes of your life, but we're glad that you spent it with us. And check out our show notes for links and resources. And as always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Tarot Podcast. And big thanks, as ever, to our patrons, Kat, Richard, Juniper, Peter, and Rash of Stay Woke Tarot. We appreciate your friendship and your support. And thanks to our new sponsor, Keen. Get your first five-minute reading for five bucks by visiting trykeen.com slash archetypal. This podcast is produced by Both End Media, and the theme music is by The Lunar Group. Until next time, aloha.